the same type of thing happened. I was imitating someone else's sound, Mm -hmm. but then I realized I had to find my own sound if I wanted to make a difference. Hello and welcome to Where the Living Room Used to Be, a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. Hey everyone, it's James. For this episode, I got to chat with Charlie Marie about her new album, Ramble On. Uh, which is coming out in May, but you can actually pre-order it now over on her Bandcamp page. Uh, So go check that out if you can. In our interview, we talked about the making of this record, how fellow Rhode Islander Tyler James Kelly of The Silks came to be involved with it, plus her overall songwriting process and experience playing with Brian McKinnon. We even go all the way back to her early vocal lessons and some of the first places that she performed. Charlie is amazing, uh, and I hope you all enjoy the episode. Uh, Please subscribe wherever you're listening right now, as I'll be releasing some mini-episodes over the coming weeks. And make sure to follow Where the Living Room Used to Be on Facebook and Instagram to see some show photos, flyers, and a whole bunch more from Charlie's time in music. Thanks. You grew up in northern Rhode Island, correct? Um, yeah, so I grew up in Barville, Rhode Island. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's just, I've told the story a lot of times, you know, like tell the story, but uh, I don't ever think I've actually said this, but one of the reasons why I wanted to start singing country music or singing in general was, um, did you remember the hearing that girl, Geraldine Sawyer's name? She used to be in like my fourth grade class, but she used to sing all over the place when she was a kid. Okay. And um, she was in my fourth grade class and I just remember her always singing and I just thought she was super cool. And I was like, I want to be like that girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I want to be cool. Like Geraldine Sawyer. And like, yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody really wants to admit that, you know, like, but that's the truth. Like I wanted to be like her. And so I started singing and like, I would like try to imitate and like sing along to the radio and um my grandmother like saw me singing so we went to vo- i went to vocal lessons and like the okay. first time i went to uh, a lesson my teacher his name was john catone and he was he was from new england so it was like straightforward he basically yeah. told me that i was <laughs> imitating people and i sucked and i really? was like yeah well i mean not like completely like that but, but just I was, like I was you're hurt. you're yeah trying to sound like this instead of just singing as you would sing more you know yeah yeah. And so I was hurt, but then I was like, okay. So I remember I went home and like, I, I prayed to God mm-hmm. and I just listened to what he said. And then I went to the next lesson and I was better and I kept going. And then like the more I went, um, and I started to like develop my, my actual voice. I wasn't imitating anyone anymore. He said, you know, uh-huh. you sound a lot like Patsy Klein. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, my grandmother was would always come and sit on the couch reading magazines. And she's like, oh, yeah, Patsy Klein, I love her. <laughs> and then after that, we went to Strawberries, which probably doesn't exist anymore. I don't think they do. The no. CD store, yeah, no. <laughs> and we got a Patsy Klein CD. And then from there, I started singing Patsy Klein songs. And then from there, I went to karaoke. And it kind of like just snowballed from there. Yeah, okay. Was it 
always country? Like was like where your uh, like was your family listening to country music or uh, like what what kind of brought you to that? You know, other than what you had just said about having that similarity of sounding like Patsy Cline, but was it something that was just around and you kind of you know gravitated towards it? Yeah, so it was very honestly like everything started with Patsy Cline for me, like country wise. Yeah. Because my singing, like John Catone, he had me sing like Broadway tunes and stuff too. So yeah. I did that. And I also did country music on the side. But basically, um, when I would go out and sing karaoke, I met uh, one of my grandmother's best, actually my grandmother's best friend. Her name was Bertha. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> all of this stuff is so wild. But anyway, yeah, I can't believe it. When I start telling these stories, they blow me away. But this lady <laughs> named Bertha, she was awesome. Wicked, nice lady. Um, I don't know how they're related, but she, this guy named Joe, I don't know if you know who Joe Johnson is, but he's friends with Paul Jacob. Sometimes he just sound on the side, but he's a very nice guy. And anyway, he saw me at karaoke and I was singing at this restaurant called Castor Fernandez, which doesn't exist anymore, but I actually just saw the lady. I see her at the, um, her name's Kathy. She works at the post office over, I'm in North Smithfield and Kathy cool. used to own Casa Fernandez. So now when I go to like send oh, that was out over mail. by uh in like Black Hut, right? The one yep, that's yep, right like in the middle there. of the woods. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Wow. So nice. it's really funny because like how everything is always connected. So like today, I literally went and sent out like a couple of CDs from that fans had purchased. And I guess who sent them out was Kathy again from Casa, uh, Casa Fernandez. So it's all very strange. But anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So I sang karaoke and Joe took me under his wing and helped me. Yeah. And I, I'm like, you know how that is. I'm sure you've had plenty of people have ha- like helped you, but that's, you know, yeah, yeah. how I got my start. And um, his daughter used to have like a horse farm and we would go, my sister and I would go up there horseback riding. And that's how I kind of really started listening to country music because on the way, Joe would always play like um, Hank Williams and Alan Jackson. And I remember being like obsessed with Tracy Lawrence and like all these like country artists. And so that's kind of how I ended up getting like enthralled in it. Yeah. But it all started with Tatsy Klein for me. Yeah. And how old were you when you started taking vocal lessons? I think I was like 10. I was 10 years old. It was in fourth grade. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, It's pretty interesting. I always felt like a weirdo in school. All the kids thought I was a weirdo because I, you know, was into country music. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that that, you know, is definitely something I want to talk about in this interview is just how unapologetic you are about Rhode Island country music. And, um, you know, it, it's on your shirts. It's, you know, you're, you're doing <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Uh, a great job of, you know, putting a flag in here because i mean there is a, a history i mean there's also a a country music hall of fame a rhode island country music hall of fame like Had country no music <laughs> is in is here you know um but it, it does it seems that it's so uh, connected with certain geographies or you know i grew up outside of worcester massachusetts so not even actually probably not even too far you probably have been there the place indian ranch uh oh yeah 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 so that was Actually, my first concert, I saw Johnny Cash there. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but my dad is a huge country music fan, like, uh, and he's kind of stayed with it, what is kind of current. But yeah, Hank Williams and 
Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, you know, up to Garth Brooks and, um, you know, even Toby Keith and stuff that is still kind of current now, but yeah. it was just, that was what was around in my house. Uh, so just bringing that up because, you know, growing up here in New England and, and Massachusetts, like there's a, a big community of people that enjoy country music, create country music. Um, so, you know, I just, I just love what you're doing with that. And, 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 you know, for that, you know, kind of backtracking though a little bit. So, so, you know, you're, 10, you know, or, or, or so when you start singing, uh, where, when did you start performing? Was it part of these like vocal groups or like, what was your first performance? I think my first performance wasn't a part of the vocal group. I remember like I would have my little outfit on with my hat. My grandmother would dress me. Oh yeah. <laughs> She'd tell me what to wear. And I would, I would practice in front of her. I like had this little, like these hand gestures and like all this weird stuff as a child. It was bizarre. Yeah. Um, And I would practice in front of her in the living room and she would watch me, whatever it was, you know. And, uh, but I think the first time I did play, I can't remember the name of the place. It was in Cumberland. It was like some hall, but yeah, my vocal teacher put on a show and I sang a couple of songs and I remember like being terrified. I always get nervous. I thought it would go away. It doesn't. I get terrified. And then I made myself go on stage and it was great. And like, I remember like just telling my grandmother how much I wanted to like do this forever. Like I didn't like, I just, the feeling, you know, cause you, I'm sure you've had, I don't know if you've had that feeling, but like being on stage and making yourself face the fear And then when you come off, it's like, you feel like you're free for a second. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I guess that's a lot of nerves beforehand. And then in it, it just kind of happens. And there's like that disconnect um, that, uh, yeah, I kind of look for, you know, just being, just being able to be in the moment uh, of just playing music. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it's all about. And I don't think you realize it. You don't like, I didn't realize this stuff, why I wanted to do it. But I think why I like doing music is it makes you present mm-hmm. is what I realized, but yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. tricky because you can also be in your head. It's very easy to get in your head <laughs> too, man. And yeah. like once you're in your head on stage, then you start making all those mistakes. And then mm-hmm. like, if you keep getting in your head, that's bad. So luckily, like I've, I don't get too far into my head, which has been lucky. Like I've been lucky. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting uh, experience. Yeah. Being an artist. <laughs> Yeah. So when did you start writing your own songs then after performing for so long? So, yeah, this is another funny. All this stuff is funny. Uh, (laughs) So in high school, I remember like being blown away by Taylor Swift because all of a sudden she was like a girl that was a little bit older than me. And she was like playing music and writing her own songs. And she like wrote girl music, like teenage girl music. And I was a teenage girl and I loved it. And all my friends. We would jam out to Taylor Swift in like on on our way to like field hockey games or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember again seeing her and being like, I need to play guitar and write my own songs. Like I had tried guitar beforehand, but it like hurts. It hurts when you first start playing. So like you know, like, yeah, like physically trying to like yeah, yeah play physically it's yeah. painful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah, still is physically <laughs> painful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so then like after seeing her you know, play guitar and write her own music. I was like, well, if I want to continue to do music, I probably have to do that too. Mm-hmm. And like, at the time I always thought that writing songs was like this huge mountain that I would never be, I would never do. I would never climb that mountain. I thought that I would just be a singer. 
And so then, yeah, I decided, no, if I wanted to make it, that I would have to write my own song. So then I think I was 16 when I started, like, writing. Okay. But my song sucked at first. Like, they really sucked. And then it wasn't until I moved to Nashville that I figured out how to write songs. Okay. Like, lyrically, like, you weren't happy with it or or just the, the chord? Yeah, it just, they just versus... were um, nothing special. <laughs> Uh, okay, I got you. <laughs> they were just like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Um, they just weren't developed. They weren't good. Like, you have to develop skills. Yeah. So I was just a beginner. Um, but yeah, like, when I went to Nashville, I got better by going to open, like, open mics and writers' okay. rounds and listening to people and seeing, like, picking apart, like, okay, so I saw, like, three writers. Which mm-hmm. writer stood out to me? Why did they stand out to me? Was it the melody? Was it the the lyrics yeah and like i started to put things together put pieces together for myself and like then you start co-writing when you live in nashville everybody that's all they do is co-write oh really and so when you start writing yeah when you start writing with different people then you start to see how like their mind works and how they put things together yeah and yeah I don't know, like for a while also I was struggling because you have to have your own sound. And when I was, you know, when I first moved to Nashville, I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be on the radio. I wanted to be on CMT. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, like I'll write songs like that. And it was kind of pop country style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of like, it's very interesting because now that I just talked about John Catone, it's bringing him back to me. So basically, it seems like the same type of thing happened. I was imitating someone else's sound. Mm-hmm. But then I realized I had to find my own sound if I wanted to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it wasn't until I wrote, I wrote with this girl, Rose Falcon, who, um, she's an artist. She's super, like, the nice, one of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, but she was from, I think her family's from New Jersey. So we had, like, some sort of a connection and yeah. yeah, we wrote the, the, it's on my record. It's called Daddy, but I put it out before on my, um, like, first EP. Yeah. But we wrote that song together. And that was, like, the first song that I ever wrote that I felt was, like, special. And then it wasn't until I wrote um, 40 Miles for Memphis with this woman named Cindy Morgan that I, lights went off. And now, like, I knew I knew what my sound was. Stop thinking of you All these nights I've been crying on my pillow I'm pushing down on my blue suede boots Got the windows rolled down the pedal to the metal Small town southern boy meets midtown city girl Wanted to be true and settle down I wanted to see the world Forty miles from Memphis I'm driving all night through You never know a good thing till it's gone So in these, um, you know, co-writing experiences that 
still some of what you're doing or like what is your um a little bit of your songwriting process like do, do you sit down and say i'm going to write some songs now or is it melodies that pop into your head at certain points and you just kind of jot them down that's a, it's a little bit more fluid and spontaneous or uh, do you have like writing sessions yeah i feel like i'm a spaz i feel like okay. sometimes all i do is write and i'm obsessed and i can't stop writing and like yeah and then there's times where like, yeah, nothing's coming and I don't want to write it. I'm not, I don't want to write a shitty song. So if I start something and it's shit, I just toss it aside and I keep the idea. Yeah. I, don't, okay. I, I keep re if I have a hook that I really believe in. So for instance, like the song tough kitty, that's going to be on, it's um, going to be one of the songs off the record. Yeah. I wrote that song like three or four times. Cause I really liked the concept, but I couldn't get the melody right. And that's to me, like, honestly, I guess when you're writing a song, the most important part to me is the melody. Mm-hmm. and the action and the hook yeah yeah so once you have those two things you're you're kind of golden because then you can mess with the lyrics until you feel like they're correct or feel like they resonate with like what you want it to be yeah okay i don't know if that makes any sense to you oh yeah yeah um but i guess that that what comes to mind is that a lot of your songs do kind of harken back to that classic storytelling country like you know the song starts pedal steel comes in and we're like we're going on a journey for the next four minutes you know like <laughs> yeah, come yeah, along, yeah you know like so like how does that um is that like an intentional thing that of what you're um, trying to write no, there? i don't i don't think it i feel like everything that i've ever tried to do that to make intentional it, it doesn't it's not like me and things yeah. that just naturally happen is is like how it works and um i think that all of this stuff like because again like growing up and singing classic country for like years and years and years and years and listening to classic country and listening to just 90s country really and all of that mixed in like just penetrated me Mm -hmm. and i love it because like you're saying it's about life and it teaches you things and it means something and I guess that's like what I realized I wanted my music to be like. I wanted it to be like people I believed were, well, I, I consider my heroes and my heroines. Like I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably why I have that, that sound, um, because that's what I love most about music, I guess. Yeah. You know, what kind of comes to mind just to kind of skip ahead or just a little bit. And before we talk about, you know, some of the records that you've done, the EPs you've done, like, um, you're usually, uh, accompanied by Brian McKinnon, correct? That's your mm-hmm. guitar player. How did you connect with him? And what is like, uh, uh, you know, I just kind of wanted to shout him out, you know, I've seen him play. Just like super, like the, seems like the right guy to be there like super tasteful and um, yeah it's kind of all of it like it's really like unbelievable like I can't I don't know how to explain it like life is unbelievable um so it's really all of it's crazy so again (laughs) I lived in Nashville for like years I never thought I would move home because I believed that I had to be in Nashville to pursue and achieve my goal which Mm -hmm. was to be a country artist and life beat the shit out of me and I had to go home because that's what you do when life beats the shit out of you, right? You go home. I didn't want to go home because I was afraid to come home. I thought I was failing. I came okay. home. I would go out with my friends. I had like a couple jobs, you know, like dead end jobs, whatever. 
And I would hang out a lot with my friends and go to bars and drink because that's what, you know, people do when they're trying to figure out what the hell am I doing with my life. (laughs) And I would go when I first moved uh, back home, I would just go to open mic nights and I would either try to make my dad come with me or I would just go by myself, which freaked him out sometimes. (laughs) Oh, if you're going to the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm going to this bar to go drink by myself, dad. You're like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. You know, again, it's weird that I'm bringing my dad to these places, some of them, but whatever. And then I would make my friends would come here and there, but like it's weeknights, they have to work. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm the crazy one that's going out to like an open mic night on a week, whatever. So I randomly met Brian. I don't know how many years it's been. It's been years, but I met him through my friend, Sam, her boyfriend at the time worked with Brian and they Mm -hmm. were all out on the town and we were all out on the town and we met. And like he played, I just knew he played guitar and like we, I think we all went out and sang karaoke together and it was fun. And then um, like we exchanged numbers and we just started playing together and his friend Mike also would play with us. And yeah, we just started like jamming and I, then I just Mm -hmm. started like showing him some of my songs and then he started like playing along to them. And then he started like introducing me to like Chris, uh, well, I already knew about Chris Stapleton. For some reason, I can't remember this guy's name, and I know who he is. Sturgill Simpson. Okay, so oh, he yeah, introduced yeah, yeah. me to like Sturgill Simpson and like um, Paul Cawthon and all these kids that were like cool and doing well, like what you know I wanted to do. Yep. And yeah, we just started playing together and like just doing it. And man, if it wasn't for him, like none of this would be happening. Really? Like I can say that about so many people, like if it wasn't for Joe Johnson, none of this would have been happening. If it wasn't for Brian McKinnon, it wouldn't be happening. Then yeah. I have like friends in Nashville. If it wasn't for them, none of this would be happening. So it's just really crazy how like so many people help you out along the way. But yeah, he plays um, electric guitar and the kid's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I guess I'm just a lucky kid sometimes, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I like, honestly, I hope one day I can be more like him because he's just so calm. Nothing like he's like a, I don't know. He's like a solid, he's just, I don't know. He's kind of like a rock. Like Bob Seger yeah. says, like a rock. you know, like the kid yeah. is like, I'm like, Jesus, I, why the hell am I not like you, Brian? I'm the crazy one freaking out. And he's always like calm. Yeah. He just seems, it's yeah. Like, like that. <laughs> Like he just is kind of, yeah, like very statuesque, you know, and then he'll just wail on the guitar, you know, perfectly, but just kind of just be there, you know, like just a, you know, person. Yeah, but he, yeah, he's funny though, too, because he makes these little, like I, you know, if you pay, if you're around him, you hang out with him enough, he makes little jokes. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's just a very subtle, cool dude. Yeah, he makes like these very subtle jokes. A lot of people aren't paying attention and they miss. But I'll like, (laughs) listen and I laugh because I'm like, this kid's, this kid's so funny. I can't. But yeah, no, he's, he's like, such a cool dude and I, I don't know i'm just really really lucky i guess i'm mm-hmm. i'm just really happy <laughs> that yeah. i have great people behind me and how does uh by my side i guess <laughs> yeah and how does he play like uh, uh like play into like songwriting does he contribute during that time or, or is it are you like writing a song pretty much completely and then he's uh you know adding his part to it or is yeah um, well, we actually like we were just practicing before this and um, we wrote an, a song that I, I like I am always trying to think ahead. So I have like this other record now that I'm like trying to think of because I again, I'm trying to make sure I have the right songs for it and all this. Mm-hmm. But we wrote a song um, when I was recording uh, Ramble On in Nashville. We were at this guy Otis's house who we always stay at. 
And uh, it was like a night. I, mean, I don't know if it was like a Wednesday or a th- it was one of the final uh, nights of recording. Okay. We had gotten out early. So we went back to Otis's. It was just me and him. And we wrote a song together. And that was the first time we've ever wrote a song together. But I think it's really cool. And again, not for this project, but another project. Maybe you guys will get to hear that. But um, cool. yeah, usually he just will. I'll, I'll write a song and then I'll show it to him. And then he adds the parts and it yeah. like breathes. It's like now, like I created the skeleton and now he puts the breath into it. And then when the other people come in, it becomes like a living thing. And that's yeah. how I look at all of it. It's never about me. It's about the big picture. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that a lot of artists have a really difficult time with. And I get it. I've been there. But being a small centered self doesn't get you anywhere. And that's what I keep trying to remind my own self of because it's very, very easy to become caught up in your own, again, baloney. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that that, uh, you know, I've said this in, uh, in the past, but again, from my view, you were probably one of the hardest working musicians that I've seen in our, like, uh, you know, just kind of like period, but definitely from our state, like before COVID, it seems that you just were constantly playing shows. Like you just were playing everywhere from, you know, venues and uh, different like fairs, festivals, breweries. You were just constantly playing, you know, with Brian as, as alongside with you. But can you talk about like your, your tour schedule, like your, uh, know dedication to that some of the places that you're playing you know like specifically in rhode island like where do you typically do shows places you like to play in rhode island and um and just that process are you booking all of these shows um um yeah so brian like we we all me okay so i book shows brian book shows joe the guy joe was telling you about he helps us book shows yeah um but yeah, like we just were taking whatever we could get because we wanted to play. Like we wanted to just keep practicing because we knew that we needed to like keep being out there to get good because you can practice all you want in the basement. You can practice all you want, like in your living room. But if you're not out in the environment, out in the world doing it, it's not the same. So mm-hmm. like, that's why I'm kind of afraid too, because it's been so weird not playing and like, yeah, like it's been a, kind of a while, but you know, we're still practicing, still trying to like, you know, but, um, yeah. So again, like I, I really enjoy playing at the galactic theater. Yeah. That was like one of the first places that like we really started playing together and like, we have a really like awesome little following there. And I just feel like it's like a little family. It's mm-hmm. pretty wild, <laughs> it's <a> wild <laughs> place, but, uh, we've played at like a bunch of, uh, breweries. We've played at like a bunch of fairs and festivals in new England, mm-hmm. I guess, Fears and festivals are probably my favorite. Um, yeah. Why is that? Just because it's exciting. You see families, you see like, mm-hmm. I don't know, <laughs> the Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. like the food, you know, like the <laughs> apple crisp you get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's like, I don't, it's just a, it's like an experience just to go to a fair and, but yeah, I mean, I, all of it's awesome. You never know what's going to happen. You never know how a show is going to go, but um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, booking shows like we, we've just been hustling and yeah. that's probably what we're going to keep doing as long as we have to. And, you know, just keep hustling. But yeah, right now we're just trying to focus on putting the record out yeah. and then we're going to try to like start booking shows again. But it's just been weird. So we're hoping stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, it does seem that we're reaching a hopefully 
some sort of light at the end of the tunnel where, uh, you know, seems that clubs are starting to book some shows in the fall and some, you know, outdoor socially distanced performances in the summertime and stuff like that. So at least it seems that we're getting to some hopeful change, uh, over these next couple of months through this year. So, um, yeah. And are there any uh, certain musicians that you usually like to, to play with here in Rhode Island? Honestly, the only person I usually play with is Brian. Yeah. No, but like other like uh, shows that you like to hop on, you know, and just keep in mind oh, that, you know, probably TJ will be pissed if you don't say the silks. Yeah. You know, like so. we played a few times with Tyler James, Kelly. But yeah. honestly, like, it's funny how that worked too, because like, you know, we would always rub elbows with him. And then I remember like we were trying to, because I wanted a producer for this like record because like, yep. when we did the EP, we just all like, we didn't really have an extra set of hands i guess you could say or, we need like extra or, help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we yeah, need okay. we just needed a different perspective yeah and um we were playing at one of tyler's uh house parties and we were like talking about how we were going to come up with some scheme because we we're going to try to get like chris isaac to do it or like we're going to try to do some <laughs> crazy thing to try to get dwight yokum to do it or something yeah. weird. and he's like dude no I, I can just produce it if you want and oh, like okay. there's been these kids in like nashville that i was gonna thinking about working with but it was just kind of like eh and so I was like, well, I guess, yeah. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, Tyler, you want to help us produce it? Like, yeah, let's try it out. And so like, he came to Brian's house for like months, every Monday, and we sit and go through the songs. And like, yeah, he, um, there was a couple of songs that he like made suggestions like, oh, maybe we should get rid of the bridge here, or maybe we should do this. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Okay. And we did it. And it obviously like it worked out. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's been interesting, like just working with different people. Like, again, they all have their different takes on things. Um, but honestly, like I I think that it's kind of like when you're producing a record or when you're making a record, because I again, the whole thing producer is just very interesting to me. But uh -huh. um, when you're making a record, everyone's making it. It's not just one person. And so like, it's kind of like he was like steering the ship for a while and then maybe Brian would get on and steer the ship or then okay. Ben would get on and steer the ship or I would get on and steer the ship or one of the, the session musicians, like maybe uh, John would steer the ship or, you know, whatever. But we're all taking turns, like putting our um, creativity into it. So yeah. like, yeah, he was probably like one of the captains for a while, but like we're all contributing to it. Um, yeah, and it okay. was really cool working with him because yeah, he definitely made us better. So yeah. On. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. He's an incredible player and an accomplished, you know, uh, musician here with his band, the silks and stuff. So um, yeah. Cause he, he played on it as well. Right. Tyler. Uh, yes, he did. Oh yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to play acoustic guitar, Tyler. You're going to play. And he's like, okay. And he killed oh, it. He nailed it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, nice. He played acoustic. And he like, he's obviously, we know the kid's crazy, like good at guitar. And, um, yeah, it's yeah. like ridiculous. It doesn't even seem like he's trying, which is what no, you know, it's, probably it's makes, like his makes it angry. He's like, here, here's this little lick, you know, and as he yeah, grows another finger, hit. you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, one thing, Tyler, that's what I should call the kid. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I was like, all right. But yeah, and then like there was a couple songs he played electric on and then like Brian would play, you know, some of the parts too. Yeah. And it was cool. It, yeah, he kind of reminds me of like a brother, like my brother. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I want to give him a noogie, but I love the kid, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> but that's just, he just, he's very, I don't know. He reminds me of my family, like a lot. And again, like, I don't even hang out with him that much, but just, I guess, cause he's from Rhode Island. I just mm-hmm. recognize that. Yeah. No, I mean, that's my experience. I don't know him too well, but he was an extremely welcoming and, and kind person. Uh, the times that I've like interacted with him and uh, yeah, he's, he's fantastic. So, uh, but yeah, I kind of just want to quickly run through some of your releases. Uh, you know, your first EP was self-titled as well. Uh, came out in 2015, right? And, uh, yeah, it was just a guitar vocal type thing. Yeah. Um, I did it. So <laughs> I used to work at Loveless Cafe, which is like this famous restaurant in Nashville for like fried chicken and biscuits. And- okay. And in the back, they have this um, venue. So that's where I worked. I worked in catering. It's called the Loveless Barn. And so I worked there for like a while. And um, one of the head worker, well, I, he's like a manager there, I guess. Or I think he, I don't know what he, what his role was. But anyway, he took me under his wing and he like gave a couple of um, the workers like an opportunity to go into the studio uh, oh, okay. for free. And so that's wow. why I did that because we I got to go into the studio for free. And at the time I was working uh, with this producer, Paul Maybury, and it was it was a cool experience. Um, it was like a baby step, mm-hmm. you know, and then again, I met Brian. I moved home and then yeah. we started touring and people were like, yeah, you need to put out music. And again, so um the person who always helps me is named Bob Palmer and he's just the nicest guy in the world. And yeah, he helped me out and um, offered again, like a, a, a studio for free. Mm-hmm. And so we went in and did it. And that's how we did um, the EP with like the cowboy. I guess they no, the first one doesn't have a cowboy hat because they're both self-titled. So it's the second EP with the cowboy hat. Um, okay. With, like, rhinestones and all of that just because you wear a stetson and you say you were made in texas doesn't mean your country and western but baby if you can walk the line i'll let you take me home tonight Wearing nothing but your bowl of tie It's hard to find A diamond in a world full of rhinestones I've got my eye On a heart made of gold Don't waste my time You gonna shine Like a rhinestone So, I have a couple of friends that live in Nashville that have been with me from since I worked at Loveless, mm-hmm. Amanda Rankle. I went to Belmont University with her and she is like a co-writer on my record. And she's like one of my solid friends. And then Ben Kleiss, he's been with me um, also since the beginning, basically of my yeah. Nashville days. And he's like, uh, he engineers and produces and mixes and the kids, the bomb. But anyway, yeah, yeah we all got together and that we, so we created that EP, um, which is the 2019 EP. And That's so that awesome. was like us trying to be playing with the big boys. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess some people liked it, which was cool. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah we're, you know, you try to keep getting better. So you try to look back on, on that experience and say, well, how can we make that this next experience better? 
Yeah. And so now when we went into the studio for Ramble On, we added Tyler and I got some different musicians and like, yeah, things really worked out. Yeah, and that was done at the tracking room in Nashville. The tracking room, yeah, they've all been at the tracking room, but oh, they have okay. The place, the place I think got knocked down. It did. Yeah, our record is like one of the last records that ever was wow. made. There. It's pretty creepy wow. and pretty awesome at the same time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, the, the new uh, the the new record has uh, some of these these earlier songs that are, have been re-recorded, some new songs like. How are those decisions made of of what uh, to re-record? Is it uh, something that you want to like flesh out a little bit more, or um, like you know, yeah. for instance, like forty miles to Memphis? You know, like is it you can like just hear these other things and like we need to add you know more instrumentation to this earlier. I don't song. do that. I don't do that. I don't. I don't try to overthink. When I start over, I overthink as it is. So if yeah. I start. So what I, again, like we all went in, we all talked about what we thought the song should sound like when I told you me, uh, Brian and Tyler would meet on those Mondays. Yeah. We kind of had a vibe. We went in, we let people do what they want to do. Yeah. Tyler would say, oh, you know, you're doing this. Try this a little, whatever. Yeah. That's, that's the vibe of how I, how I go about like making music. I don't like to like put anything in a box. Yeah. Okay. I like to get good people in a room and let them go wild, let them yeah. do their thing. And then if I like what they do, which usually I do, that's great. Or if we're like, uh, oh, can you try this? They try something different, but usually they're dead on the first time if you get the right people in the room. And so that's what it's always about. Just finding the people that you want to be in the room with you. Okay. Yeah. But I, like, I guess, uh, like, how do you choose uh, from some earlier songs? songs? Yeah. Like, you so, know, okay. like, so, you know, like that song was a couple of years old when it, it seems like it was written. Um, what is, how is that decision process made of like, you know what, I want to re-record this. I want to add some stuff to it. Um, Cause it's not everything that you've done in the past or some of these songs that, you know, you have uh, the uh, Chuck town, mm-hmm takes uh, that you did that have some of these other songs from a couple of years as well, which I do want to shout out. I, I really love that, that record. Um, <laughs> it's just, cool. it's just like, I, I like the informalness, you know, I do have to ask why so much swearing, Charlie. I don't know why you swear. Yeah. Um, but I, I love that record. I, I, uh, and I, I mean, I also love this new stuff that is, that is, more polished and, and, you know, uh, on point, but I also dig that, you know, uh, kind of relaxed style of, we're just recording some songs, but. Yeah. To me, those are all rough drafts. Anything okay. to me without a full band is a rough draft. I got you. Okay. So it's like those songs, anything that I did a quote unquote rough draft of, if I really believe in a song, I'm going to, I want it to grow up. I want to yeah. see it grow up. I'm not going to leave it as a, 10 year old kid or whatever, five year old yeah. kid. Cause that's how I, I feel like I look at my songs as children kind of, since I don't have any. So it's like my babies. So I want to mm-hmm. see like certain songs grow up and like, yeah, I always thought that daddy and 40 miles from Memphis were special. And I felt like they deserved to be on my first full length record. They belonged yeah. there. And yeah. I didn't know how they were going to sound. And also that's the thing. Like I had these songs that I wanted to put on this record and Sometimes I thought they were good and sometimes I thought they sucked. I never know until I go into the studio and things just work out. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I really don't premeditate a lot of things. 
I, I feel like when, when you premeditate too much, you're taking away from the authenticity of something. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I've just been realizing. I guess why people like resonate with what we're putting out is that it's real. It yeah. has depth. It's like about real shit. All the songs that I write are about shit that I've experienced. Mm-hmm. It's not like pretend shit that I make up. Like it's real. I've experienced all of these songs. And I guess that's the thing too, about when I write, like, when I do things that like push me to the next level, growing wise, growth wise, whatever, I get a new batch of songs because mm-hmm. I got to the next level because I made myself face things I didn't want to do or face things that I didn't pretend is like weren't there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like everybody's doing that, even if they don't realize it. Like that's the point of life. We're here to grow. You know, we're here to like connect with people we're here to make the world a better place i feel like we're all little superheroes and if you just like water the cert like water that place inside of you and take care of that place inside of you that's what's going to grow but if you stay small and you say you know i guess like you got to just remember that we're all connected it's very easy to forget though very very easy so it's something you gotta be vigilant with yeah yeah there's a lot of external pressure around us you know um uh charlie what can people expect with the the new record uh you know you just put out the your first single um is is that uh you know a little bit of a a taste for what the the record is yes it is a taste i feel like the record is a wild ride it's fun it's exciting you know it's gonna get into your soul um (laughs) i don't know man like this record i I don't know if i would have survived this past year without it i'm gonna be completely honest like it's it's helped me that's great it's just been like a really positive thing and i'm just really happy that um i created it with my friends Mm mm-hmm yeah, I'm really, really excited to hear it. Um, exceptionally happy to see the response to it already. You know, I'd like to talk about the video, but uh, you know, even just seeing how 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 much people have shared that, um, how many people have kind of viewed it within like a day uh, was really cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know what your expectations were with any of that stuff, but it just no, I don't cool. have expectations. I just hope <laughs> it comes out good. This kid, I'm telling you, Brian. We, I have, I have him do the craziest shit with me and he's always down, always down, <laughs> always crazy yeah. shit, dude. Spre- like, I'm not even going to get into the details. One day we'll talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's always doing stuff with me, but like these videos, like the, so the red wine video was a last minute video. Mm-hmm. Um, I was oh, really? trying to figure wow. out what the singles were going to be. Yeah. And I thought that this other song was going to be a single and it, they, when I, the people I'm working with suggested a different one. So I was like, how can I throw a last minute video together? And like, I don't know if you know of Natal. Have you yeah. heard of Natal? Yeah. Um, like well, here in, in Rhode Island. Yeah. 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 She's like really cool. I'd met her at a couple of like shows and I, you know, um, I always really liked her. I thought she was like, I really liked her energy. Her energy is awesome. Anyway. Mm. Um, yeah, so I reached out to her because I know she does does all of that. And we were going to use her for um, the 40 Miles from Memphis music video, but then the COVID baloney crap happened. So then, yeah, that changed. Yeah. Um, but we went to New Hampshire and we, like, it was freezing. We went in November. 
it's like, I just started working Oh, by, like, I just started working at Amazon and it was like, okay, you know, physically tired, whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we just went and did it. And it's just, ma- it's just magic. You just mm-hmm. go. I just did whatever she told me to do. I just tried to be what she asked and things worked out. Yeah. And that's kind of how it's always just happened. Like even like this, the next uh, video that we're putting out is for El Paso. Okay. And um, yeah, I like during the quarantine, I was trying to figure out what to do with videos because like we couldn't have any people in them really and all this stuff. So I was, I was like looking at like DIY, like easy videos. And I came across like, this video, um, it was very simple. It was just some guy on the beach and I'm like, maybe I'll just do that for El Paso. And so like, I talked to Brian about it and then he like had these, he went out like scoping beaches. Oh, and really? so like, we, yeah, we went to like this beach in little Compton one day and we were, we passed on it because it like smelled really bad of seaweed <laughs> and like, and there were rocks everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, Brian, I don't think I can walk barefoot on this. Like, I, I know I'm trying to be tough. Like I get it. I know I'm like a little pansy half the time, but like, I think I might fall and like hurt myself. So like we passed on that beach Yeah, and then, so we ended up, I wanted to go to Cranes beach, um, which is in like Massachusetts, but it's all like, it was locked up. We, cause we ended up leaving, uh, like we met up at a seven 11. I think it was like a gas station off of route seven. I don't know. I think it's seven 11. I don't know. But anyway, we met up at like two thirty three in the morning so we could get there, uh, before the sun rose, but yep. we drove to cranes beach and it was closed. So then we <laughs> went to this other beach, um, that he had like visited on plum Island. And oh, wow. so we just drove there and we made it right in time. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, we just did it together and it's freezing and like we did it and it worked out. And then my, my friend, Amanda Rankle and Ben Kleiss put it all together and polished it up. And we did that one. And so we'll cool. see, we'll see if people like it, you know, who knows? Yeah. Our love was just an act A part for you to play The cactus had blossomed The river on the rise I never saw it coming It was all a waste of time He left me in a lone star state He left me on a sunny Well, yeah, I mean, the the red wine video, I would have never guessed that that was kind of thrown together. It seems very well uh, planned, you know, with the the story arc of it. Um, I guess I'm kind of curious was like some of the uh, free hijinks that kind of happened at the end of that video. Was that 
a planned thing or did it just kind of happen? Like, were you just like, you know, we're going to just start drinking wine out of, you know, out of <laughs> teacups and just kind of horsing around and stuff like that? Or was it, uh, that was part of the, uh, cause it, you know, the, some of the outtakes and stuff like that just seemed fun and, and silly, you know? So. Yeah. Um, it, Natal, like she's awesome. I, I don't know. Like she's like one of the best people I've ever worked with. Super professional, super creative, just like, amazing and um she came up with her like a lot of it like i had a cool. couple little suggestions but it was mainly like her masterpiece she created in her head yeah she's just telling me what to do what mood i'm in like oh you gotta do this and i'm like yeah. i'm not used to this i'm like okay whatever you tell me it's all i hope i don't look like a psychopath but yeah I'm <laughs> to you. and yeah. so she's like yeah we're gonna get up we're gonna get up tomorrow at five in the morning and um right so that way you can get it this part and i'm like okay great it's again new hampshire november I'm a small person. The wind blows right through me. Yeah. So I'm a, so yeah, we're out, we're outside on a mountain. Brian's with us. We got yeah. these uh, propane heaters. Dangerous, dangerous. Okay. Yeah. All, right. all around us. Cause we're freezing. We're all yeah. freezing. And um, yeah, so we're shooting that. So then after we do that this morning scene, uh, we decide now the next thing is that barn scene. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm kind of skeptical. Was it like you're saying, like, I, I'm not really sure how me playing with teacups is going to look. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I'll go with it and tell whatever you say. And then once yeah. I started these, first of all, those cups were all crusty, had dirt in them. Probably should have cleaned them a little better before I started pouring the wine in and drinking it. But I'm still alive. Yeah. So I yeah. started pouring a little the dirt wine won't hurt, right? You know, so. No, I guess it doesn't. <laughs> so I started drinking it and then I got a little drunk cause I'm a lightweight. And so, yeah, I got a little crazy. And then Brian, I don't know where the hell he comes from. I don't, I don't know. He just starts acting goofy as well. I guess he turns yeah. on a switch, but uh, yeah, it was all very random. It's all just like going with it. Whatever yeah. the present moment asked you for, you try to try to do. Yeah. That's how things work out. I guess <laughs> for me anyway. Yeah. Well, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. And it's all just really cool too, like how people respond to it because it's like, I mean, I used to care so much about all of that and I just don't really care about it. any. like, in terms of like, I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be like this big star. I don't really want that anymore. I just want to like make music that I like care about mm-hmm. and just hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And I don't really care about, I don't think being famous is what it's all cracked up to be. I'm not famous at all. And I just like took a little peek in the peak hole and I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's like when that first EP came, well, the second 2019 EP came out and I had a little attention. It was scary because I'm not, I wasn't used to that. And I was like afraid it wouldn't like it would not stop, but then it stopped. So I know eventually like once all this happens, it'll calm down, but it's scary because it's like a wild animal, like that you just put out into the world and yeah. You're like riding it. It's like I'm riding this wild horse. I don't know where I'm going to end up. Yeah. Hopefully I don't end up in a ditch. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, what was your response to the the Rolling Stone feature? Yeah. It kind of seems like a fairy tale. Like it makes me, I don't know. Like I'm just very emotional. Like I cry all the time, like in a good way, not in a bad way. Like I'm just Mm -hmm. overwhelmed by like all the positive things that are happening to me and like my friends. Mm-hmm. yeah because i that's that's the thing like we're all chasing dreams and like working together we're all we're all like making those dreams happen mm-hmm. and that's what's really cool about it and yeah like the rolling stone thing like it's wild it's crazy 
<laughs> I'm I'm happy. Like, thank you, Rolling yeah. Stones. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Like, yeah. wow, cool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I never know what's gonna happen. Yeah, I try not to care. Like I said, I try not to care about that. Like I care about it, but I try not to um, anticipate that stuff because mm-hmm. it just freaks me out. Get like too wrapped <laughs> up in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just try to like. That's why like what I've been trying to do is figure out how I can stay as grounded as possible. Cause mm-hmm. it all seems like you just get, it's like a hot air balloon, you know, you just get pulled up into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, can you tell people, uh, about the, like when the, the new record's out where they can pick it up, where it's going to be available? Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be available, uh, through Bandcamp If you want like physical copies of the CD and if you want a vinyl, we're getting vinyls. We just have to wait for them, like to give us a date where they're going to be, we're going to receive them because it's oh, all cool. on back order because of the whole virus baloney. Keep saying baloney tonight. I don't know if I want to <laughs> make a baloney sandwich after this. <laughs> the word of the day is bologna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. Um, and if you come to a show, you can buy stuff there. So hopefully we're going to start getting shows on, on the books again. Cool. Um, but yeah, one thing at a time. So, and then, yeah, you can buy uh, it digitally, I believe on Apple Music, and it's going to be available on all those platforms that are out yeah. there. I yeah, feel like okay. the kids these days aren't into physical stuff, but we're going to have some physical stuff, like I said, if they come to shows. Yeah, I'm with you. It's exciting to hear that you're going to be doing this on vinyl and, and CD. Um are you doing it? Is this independent? Uh, are you uh, working with any? Um, we're working with Soundly Music. They're helping us. It's been really cool working with them so far. I mean, I feel like they're so smart. I, I get on calls with them. They're saying all this stuff. I'm like, cool. I, I yeah. <laughs> writing it all down. I, I yeah. understand. Like they're talking about all because I, I again, like you know, being an artist nowadays, you have to do all this social media stuff and all of this. And there's so many things that keep coming up. And it's like, I mean, I went to college for music business, and I felt like at the time I kind of knew things. But yeah, the industry changes all the time. So mm-hmm. I'm just really happy that I, again, like I'm working with good people. And so yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, I'm just ha- thank you again for like taking time out of your day to uh, like talk to me. Of course, yeah. And I yeah. really think it's awesome that Johnny Cash was your first concert, by the way. Oh, really? That's pretty nice. dope. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny because uh, my first concert was Willie Nelson. Oh, really? I, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yep, at PPAC. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, I just have one more question for you here, Charlie. Uh, you know, what would you say uh, is your greatest music accomplishment to this point? I think Ramble On. Yeah. After I did that record, I felt like I I felt present when I was at the studio. I could feel myself like alive mm-hmm. sometimes. Not all the time, but I was alive then. And I don't usually always feel like that unless I'm like on stage. And after that, after I created that, like with everyone in the studio, I felt like this, some of the weight that's been on my shoulders, my like for a lot of my career was lifted because I felt like I had done something I needed to do. Mm-hmm. I was like put here, to, like, you know, we're all here for reasons. And I feel like this is one of the reasons why I was here. So I, again, like maybe that's the case. We'll see what people think. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Never know. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've said, I, I, I can't wait to hear the record. Um, 
you know, anyone that's listening, go pre-order it right now. Uh, but Charlie, you're awesome. It's, uh, it really means a lot to get to talk with you and, and learn more about your career. And uh, again, keep that flag in the ground for Rhode Island country music. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, keep, keep flying it high. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And you're awesome, James. He stained my lips with every kiss, made me a fool. We tied the knot, gave you my heart, love can be cruel. All I needed to know was in a bottle of Merlot. When you took my hand and called me Marianne. What's her name?